Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Welcome. We're in our forgiveness series finale. And so uh, if you guys haven't been here, the first week we talked about learning to say sorry. And then last week, Jared gave an awesome message. Man, if you if you haven't listened to it, you haven't watched it, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Young Adult Podcast, and give that a listen because I believe that that's something that's going to really help you. And so we're finishing tonight by talking uh, about forgiving yourself. So like, how do we forgive ourselves? And when we look at this topic, I think for me personally, let me just say this, for me personally, it is, it's a little bit easier for me to say sorry to somebody when I mess up. It's a little bit easier for me to forgive somebody, right? I still have to work through bitterness sometimes and, and those things, but it can be really, really hard to forgive myself. And I don't know if y'all have ever felt that way, but, but I'm there sometimes. And, and it can be challenging and it can be tough. And, and I think it's something that we want freedom from. And throughout this series, what we've said is forgiveness, living a life of forgiveness is all about addressing the tension that exists within our hearts. And so we're going to talk about that very same thing uh, again tonight in terms of forgiving ourselves. And uh, I want to say welcome to everyone who's joining us online. Uh, Shout out to all our people on the YouTubes right now. And I want to tell a story about YouTube a little bit. And uh, I appreciate YouTube. And uh, I I enjoy it. And it's pretty awesome that my grandpa can, like, send George Strait music videos to his trucking buddies. And then you have, like, when I was a teacher, you have kids looking up Minecraft videos like crazy. We got any crafters in the room? Big Minecraft fans. I love it. I don't know what that game is, but uh, I wish I would have thought of some, some green blocks before they did because it's a, it's a big hit. And I love YouTube, and I love the usefulness of it. And... Uh, um, when my wife and I, Emma, when Emma and I had our first uh, child, we had our daughter, Nova, and it's so great. You know, I talk about being a parent a lot because really it's just walking analogies, to be honest with y'all. And uh, um, I never forget coming home from the hospital and like we got there, everything's getting adjusted and people are bringing you meals over and all these different things. And finally I'm like, you know what, Emma, we need to go somewhere. We need to get out of the house. We're going to go on our first trip with our daughter, uh, and we're going to take her out, and it's going to be awesome. And when you have a child, when you go somewhere, you feel as if you were taking half of your house with you. All right, you got the pack and play, you got the extra bottles, you got the diapers, you got a bag of baby wipes, you got a backpack, you got your backup backpack, you got everything, man. By the time it's gone, you you feel like you've loaded up for a road trip. I just need y'all to know, if you're not a parent yet in here, and if you're headed that direction one day, That's how it feels every time you step out of the house with kids. And I just want you to know that, to be prepared for that, that that's the way it feels. And uh, so we're going to go somewhere. And I remember we have everything packed up. We got everything loaded. We are good to go. But then what happens is I put Nova in the car seat. I'm like, man, I, I don't know how to work this thing. So I get her in there, and like you buckle the straps, but you got to tighten it, and it's got to be like like the breastplate, you know, and and you got to make sure it's good and secure. And I'm just I'm pulling on this cord on it, and it's not going anywhere. And I don't know if you understand this, but car seats are made to withstand a crash. So I like yank on it, not moving. And you ever seen something? You know it's not a good idea, but I'm gonna yank on it even harder. And so I'm 
pulling that thing, and I keep yanking harder and harder, and it's not going anywhere because, like, it's made to withstand a crash. And so I'm like, man, what do I do? Do we phone a friend? I don't know what's going to happen. How are we going to go anywhere? We're going to have to call and cancel our plans. And uh, that's when I was thankful for YouTube. Shout out to my man, David0726, who uploaded two videos on his YouTube channel, and one of those two videos was how to, try, uh, how to tighten a Graco brand car seat. And what's crazy is there's just a little button in there, and you just press the button, and they go, whoop right there and it tightens and it's perfect and it's good but I was like what are we going to do like we're not even going to be able to leave if we didn't have that YouTube video and there's lots of things that you face like that as a parent we took our, our daughter to Wonders of Wildlife and and Jared who, who spoke last week we're friends and he invited us to go to Wonders of Wildlife and you get the stroller out of the car and I'm like I'm shaking it because I don't know how to undo it Jared has to walk across the parking lot it's freezing cold and like help us but that's what good friends are for there's just some things you need help with and that's why I appreciate YouTube you got the tutorials on there. And my man uploaded that video, has 500,000 views, so I didn't feel too alone. But he uploaded that video that helped me get through that situation. And what's cool is, is that just like that tutorial video, just like that video that was kind of a guide, God actually gives us a guide in his word that's very simple of how we can forgive ourselves. He gives us a very simple guide of what does forgiving ourselves look like, because that can be tough. And what we're going to do tonight is we're really going to look at what is called the meta-narrative of God's Word, the meta-narrative of the Bible. That just means the overarching story of the Bible, and it really it's broken down into four different parts. And as we go through those, you're going to see kind of this plan that God has laid out for us for forgiveness. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we'll kick it off here. And i got a lot of scripture to read right here, but stay with me. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So we're talking creation right here. I will make a him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave to all livestock and to the birds of heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper found that was fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She, called, she, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. This is really important right here. The fact that they, they were not ashamed. But as we move into chapter 3, what we see is that something happens. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. This is a representation of Satan. The, any other beast of the field that the Lord, the God, has made. He said to woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat, Eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruits and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
Do you see what happened here? Is that in chapter 2, right at the end, before they have disobeyed the commands of God, they are naked and they are not ashamed of that. Because you know what was going on up until this point in time when we were created, Adam and Eve were created, they were in perfect unity with God. They had no evil in their hearts, no sin in their life. But what happened is when they disobeyed the commands of God, suddenly their eyes were open and they realized, like, there's, there's something wrong here. Something's not right. That feeling of being unashamed that they had was now covered with a feeling of shame. And so we need to kind of break down. Like, we have the creation of mankind here, right? And then we have the fall of man. And we share in this broken and fallen world. The scripture tells us in Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what is sin? Like, how do we share in the mistakes somebody else made? Well, sin is any time we disobey the commands of God. That's what sin is. Very clearly in scripture, sin is any time we disobey the commands of God. Now, what sin does is it makes us guilty. And when we look at the word guilt and we look at a biblical definition of guilt, it is a liability and a responsibility for the wrongdoing that we have committed. It's a responsibility and a liability for the wrong that we have done. This is very factual, right? If you were in a court of law and you were deemed guilty for something, it's factual. You're, you're guilty of what you've committed. You are liable for the wrong that has taken place. And in our culture, a lot of times, we look at guilt and we, we, we associate it with a, with a feeling. And I'm not saying that's incorrect. We, we feel guilty. But I think what we really mean is, is we feel shame. Because you know what shame is? Shame is tension in our heart. Shame is tension in our heart. It's a feeling of distress. It's a feeling of confusion. It's a feeling of embarrassment. Shame is a feeling that is a result of our wrongdoing, which is a result of disobeying the commands of God. Sin causes guilt, and guilt brings upon the feeling of shame in our lives. Have y'all been there? Have you ever woke up three in the morning, middle of the night, and you have this feeling of just like, man, distress in your heart. You have this feeling of embarrassment about who you are. I listened to a video with a guy named Jason Castro as I was kind of preparing for this message, and he was a guy that was on American Idol, and he had this big secret in his life. He was actually, uh, like he was dealing with some sexual addiction, some sin issues in his life. And he said, I felt dirty. I felt like no one else could understand what I was going through. I felt alone. I felt isolated. It's like, that stuck with me to feel dirty. And I don't know if you think about the worst moment of your life. You think about some of the worst wrong that you've done, the worst wrong that you've committed. That brings about shame. Shame is something we deal with. And it can be so hard. You might say, I can apologize to someone, no problem. I can, I can forgive other people, but can you forgive yourself? Like, can you not let go of the shame that you're living in? And that's what sin does to us. It takes us to that place because of the guilt that's in our lives. It's where shame takes us. But, you know, we looked at the creation. We looked at the fall of man. But there's four parts to this story. 
that God wasn't okay with that? Did you know that like God loves you and he does want a relationship with you? Like I need y'all to hear this tonight, that God loves you and he does want a relationship with you. And some of you might be like, yeah, okay, I got that. Like head knowledge, cool, I understand. But do you like, do you really know that? Because it's very easy to go through life and think, man, I've just disappointed God too much and he doesn't want anything to do with me now. He wasn't okay with staying where we were at. Sin came in and it separated us from God because God is holy, he is good, he is righteous, there is no wrong in him. So when we have sin in our lives, we cannot be associated with God. But he wasn't okay with it staying that way. And so part of his master plan, part of the narrative of God's story was that he was going to send a rescue for us. That song we sang, the second song we sang, says, Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full through his precious blood. What he's alluding to is the sending of his son, that Jesus came to this world, fully man, fully God, lived a perfect and sinless life, and died a death he did not deserve for you and for me. Why? So that we could be restored to God. We were created by God. We sinned and it separated us from God, but God sent a rescue in his son Jesus and that he wants to restore and redeem our lives. How does he do that? He does that through forgiveness. Do you know what forgiveness is? When we look at a biblical definition of the word forgiveness, that it's freedom from the bondage of our sin and of our wrongdoing. That's what forgiveness is. It's freedom from our sin and the bondage of our own wrongdoing. That God's rescue plan was that. That his redemption was that. I love Ephesians 1.7. It reads like this. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That through Jesus' blood, right? That's, that's talking about through Jesus' death, through what he endured on the cross, we can have forgiveness of his trespasses because of the grace that he has given us. Acts 2.38 says this. It says, uh, and, and this is Peter preaching to the early church, right? Like early, early church. This is at the very beginning. And, he, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about this idea of the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings, that the Holy Spirit is a helper and a counselor given to us by God when we enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so this idea of repent, we need to repent. What does that really look like? Two weeks ago when I, in, in the message on learning to say sorry, we talked about 1 John 1, 8 through 10. And in one of the verses we spent a lot of time in was 1 John 1, 9. And 1 John 1, 9, what does it say? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who is that who's going to do that? That's Jesus. That it's through Jesus when we confess. What is a confession? We talked about it. It's admitting you're wrong. It's admitting the guilt that you have. It's acknowledging and saying, you know what? I am indeed a sinner, and I can't do anything about my own sin. It's, a, it's what a confession is. You know, Romans 10, 9 says this. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. You will be saved. That a confession and an admittance of your guilt is where that relationship with Jesus starts. That if you are, Jared talked about it last week, forgiveness is what? Forgiving another person. Someone else wronged me. It is a decision to forgive them. And then it is a process. Like someone doesn't hurt you and it's just like, I'm good now, cool, never going to think about it ever again. It doesn't work that way. We have to make a decision to forgive someone, but then it's a process. And I want to ask you, have you ever made a decision to say yes to the rescue of Jesus? And if you have not, and if you're in here tonight and you say, I have shame, I have this feeling of guilt, I have this feeling of hopelessness, I have this feeling of isolation, I have this feeling of being alone, I have this feeling of being by myself, I have this feeling of being overwhelmed, I want to ask you, have you ever addressed the sin in your life and realized that you need a rescue from it? That overwhelming sense of shame, you cannot overcome on your own. You can't do it. It's not possible. It's not based on works. It's not based on how good you are. It's based on a good God who sent his son to rescue us. And my heart breaks for people who walk around in life and they so badly want a feeling of forgiveness. They chase so many different things and the answer is right there. It's Jesus. He is the rescue. And if you've never made that decision, that initial decision to follow Jesus, you are going to carry around shame in your life for the rest of your life until you do that. Because there's no way on your own you can forgive yourself. Only through God can you be forgiven. Only through God can you start to, can, only through God can he start to work in your heart to the forgiveness of your sins. So it starts with an initial decision. Scripture tells us in the book of Romans that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. The gospel's so beautiful. And the story of Jesus is so beautiful. And that it's so simple. I always say this, it's so simple a child could understand it. I look forward to explaining this to my daughter more as she gets older. But it's complex enough that we could study it for the rest of our lives. It's so beautiful in that way. But it starts with a decision, a simple decision to say yes to following Jesus. And so it starts with a decision. And my second point is this is that uh, once we have accepted forgiveness, we have to learn to walk in forgiveness. So you, some of y'all might be saying, hey, I've made that decision. But it's a decision and it's a process. It is a process of following after Jesus that you need to walk in forgiveness. Because here's what Satan wants. It's kind of like the main point of tonight as we're talking about shame. Is you know what Satan wants for you? He wants you to wallow in your shame, but God wants you to walk in forgiveness. You, you might have a tendency to just sit there and wallow and sit and stay in your shame, but God wants you to walk freely in forgiveness. And y'all like Batman? Did you ever watch the Batman trilogy? I love the Batman trilogy. Christian Bale, it's awesome. Um, I like The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I was going to do a Bane impersonation from that movie, but I don't have it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have it. I tried to give it to Jared, and he he just reacted like, nah, you don't, you don't have it, man. So I'll, I'll spare you of that. But in the second movie, they're in the middle of nowhere, and he's locked in this prison. You know the he, he, ha, oh, you guys know what I'm talking about, the little soundtrack right there? Um, he, he's stuck. Christian Bale is in this prison. And I think that's a great depiction of kind of the hole that we're in, right, is that this prison exists, 
And I just picture, like, what if in the movie they just dropped a big ladder down and said, hey, you guys can actually all come out now. You're, you're free. You're good. They would have to do what? They would have to make a decision to initially accept the invitation to go, come out of their bondage, that decision, right? But then once you made it out of that prison, you could still live your life like you were in prison. You might not be in a physical jail, but you're like, freed, right? I'm out of that. But like, are you choosing to walk in that freedom? Are you choosing to walk in that forgiveness? And that's what I think is so hard about this whole thing with shame, is it's really, really tough. But like, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did last weekend. You don't know what I did last week. You don't know what I did when I was in high school. You don't know what I did at my job. You don't know whatever. And it's easy to keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up, but God's saying, I want you to walk in the forgiveness that I offer you. And so there's a couple things. Before we go any further, I want to say this right now. I really want to say this right now. Is that if you are walking in shame right now, if you have shame in your life for a wrong that someone else committed against you, that is not the plan of God. Some of y'all have been hurt in here. Some of y'all have been sexually abused in here. Some of y'all have had someone say something that's not true about you in here. And it's caused you shame, it's caused you hurt, and it's caused you pain. That is not the plan of God. If you're feeling that shame, that is not the plan of God. And you shouldn't be feeling a feeling of shame for the wrong that somebody else committed against you. So I need you to know, before we talk about this any further, you got to address that. And let me tell you, God does not want you to walk in that shame. You don't have guilt. You didn't commit the wrong. Don't walk in that. But when it comes to practically walking in forgiveness, there's some things we need to consider here. First is we need to have some grace for ourselves and understand that there's a process of sanctification. As a church, you there's a process of sanctification going on in our lives. That once we've made a decision to follow Jesus, as we're following after Jesus, there's a process of becoming more Christ-like that takes place. Now, I believe this with all my heart, that God can radically transform your life overnight. That God can radically come in in a moment and have life change for you. That you can break the bondage of sin in your life. I believe that that can happen. But a lot of times, what it looks like is a slow grind. It's daily committing to God. It's daily following after Jesus. So there's a process that's in play here. Once we've made that decision, there's a process of becoming more Christ-like. And that doesn't happen on your own and through your own effort. It only happens when you're engaging in spiritual disciplines. A spiritual discipline is this, it's reading scripture, it's praying, it's fasting, it's tithing, it's serving in the church, it's attending opportunities to worship. That's what engaging in those spiritual disciplines looks like. And that's gonna help you to do something that you cannot do on your own, that God's gonna work in your heart because of that. In James 5, 16, it tells us, confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed, so that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Did you know that? Like your prayers have power. And I don't think there's any accident that confession and prayer are paired together right here. If you have shame in your life, you've committed sin, you have guilt, 
and that has led you to shame and you have that feeling, can I tell you one of the most freeing things you can ever do and one of the most victory driving decisions you can ever make is sit down and confess and share that with somebody. And I'll never forget when I was in college, I had a time where I was struggling with my sexual purity. And honestly, what the root cause of that was, and I've shared this before, the root cause of that was really that I had such low self-esteem. I was so terrified, right? That nobody wanted me, that nobody liked me. And what I did to medicate this feeling was engaging in sexual impurity. And I felt totally isolated and alone in that. I felt like no one that struggles like that. And there was a night up here at, at High Street, like 12 years ago now, I don't even know how long ago it was. It wasn't that long, eight years ago. And I sat in a room over there and I sat with a group of guys and I was able to share. And they were able to share their struggle too. And God used that moment for me to gain some freedom. I was sitting in that shame. My heart was in distress. I was embarrassed. I felt alone. I felt isolated. But God used that to change my life, that confession. And some of y'all need to talk to somebody. You know why we gather? It's to like read what God's word says and then react to it. Some of y'all just need to talk to somebody and confess some thing that's going on in your life. And guess what? You might think, no, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't have the strength to, to say it. I don't want to do it. It's actually the opposite of that. That's actually strength. When you can face your guilt head on and you can talk to somebody about it, God will honor that decision. I promise you. And, and also we need to know this, is what does God's word say about us? Why do we engage in spiritual disciplines? Because you're going to have times where eventually, what is it? Shame is a feeling. But the fact is, is it what? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's word is truth. It's facts. Your shame is a feeling. And you've got to preach to your feelings with the facts. Facts are greater than the feelings. And you've got to preach to yourself. So that's why you've got to know what God's word says. That's why you've got to join a group. That's why you've got to attend service and listen to someone talk about God's word and hear that truth. Because you've got to be able to preach yourself God's word. And, and, and kind of as we close here, what are you going to do with your shame? Are you going to walk around in it for the rest of your life? Like because you've messed up, do you think God's in heaven saying, I want you to feel bad? Yes. Yes, you feel bad for two months. Yeah, keep it going. Come on, four months, one year, two years. Stay in that. That is not what God has for you. He doesn't want you to sit in there. You can't carry that on your own. You can't carry that for the rest of your life. That's not what God has for you. That's not what he wants for you. That's not understanding the grace that he lavishly leashes out into our lives. That's not walking in forgiveness. It's not walking in freedom. That's not what God has for you. And we're gonna take a minute as we close here. Here's what we're gonna do, okay? The band's coming out and, and they're gonna be playing after, after I pray. They're just gonna be playing for a minute or two. And what's so cool about Tuesday nights is in, in, in your week, 
you get to take a moment here to spend time with God. Like you're actually in this moment, like you can choose right now to address some of that shame that's going on in your life. And you don't have to be embarrassed anymore. Do you know that every person in here is messed up? Everybody is. We're gonna have people down here who are willing to pray with you. And you might be thinking, there is no chance I'm coming down there to pray with anybody. Everyone's gonna think I messed some. That's not it. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to point fingers at people and to embarrass people. You might need to come pray with somebody. And in a moment, in a decision, you might need to come, some, come talk to somebody. You might also need to stay right there in your seat. You might need to just do some business with God. And then as we sing the last song, in that song it says, my debt is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Will you sing that if you're a believer in here? And will you speak that to yourself? Your debt's paid. You're free from it. You don't have to walk around in that anymore. Let's pray.